0: Locating Liberty, it's Mark Edge here at Freedom Fest. And Alex. And, uh, well, we got Carla. um, I'm going to go with my very best pronunciation. Get a key. Get a key. Get a key. key. Carla uh, Garrick, maybe. Um, Any of those uh, pronunciations. Former president of the Free State Project. uh, Current queen quill of the project. Uh, I believe you're running for office and doing a variety of things in New Hampshire.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Mark. Yes, it is Carla Garrick. That's what we're going with.
0: (laughs) Did you have to change it when you came to America? Did you anglicize it?
1: I did, actually. So the correct way to say it is gierke. It's sort of like a Dutch-French thing that it does not go over well in America. And honestly, I picked the way the first guy from the INS at the airport who called me in for my green card interview said it. And in fact, I didn't even recognize it. Like, we were all sitting in this back room. (laughs) And this guy's going, Garrick, Garrick, and we're all looking around. Well, like, why is the person not getting up? And eventually I was like, oh, shit, I think he th- he means me, you know. So I went from Garrick to Garrick. Uh, thanks
0: for that. Now, you had a career as an uh, intellectual property lawyer or
1: something in New York for some time? Actually, I worked in California, and it was in-house counsel for tech firms. So basically, I'm originally from South Africa, and I won a green card in the mid 90s, and uh, you know, America is the the land of the free, so they claim, and the home of the brave, and uh, I like freedom, and I like bravery, and so I was like, yeah, I'm going to come. I want a green card. And so I practiced in California. I had to retake the bar from South Africa to California. And then I worked at Fortune 500 tech company. So I worked for Apple Computer. I actually worked on the Steve Jobs Next acquisition when he came back to Apple. I worked at Borland and at Logitech. And had I stayed at Logitech, I would not be well set in life, but I, like every idiot in 1999, jumped to a tech startup because we were all going to become millionaires. And the company I worked for actually really hit the the economic bubble, right? So it was a bubble and a burst, and that's actually how I learned about libertarianism and Austrian economics and all of that. But we went from a market cap of $6 billion to being delisted for trading under a dollar. I had to Lay off a thousand two hundred people, including myself. My husband He'd been like on the cover of a Business Week thing. He had raised $7 million in funding. We couldn't close second funding. And so, you know, when the bubble crashed and, and, and we were like burst, I guess, we were like, what just happened? What? America isn't just uh, tequila stations at the office and massages at your desk. And that's really from there, I started learning about bubbles, monetary policy, sexy stuff like M1, M2, M3, you know, the easings of the money, all of that. And then, of course, from there, crypto, the Free State Project. Uh, Actually, I should flip that. It was Free State Project first, right, back in the 2000s. And, um, And then from there, moved to New Hampshire and the rest, as they say, is history.
0: Well, when you moved to New Hampshire, you first, as I recall, ran the uh, Porcupine Freedom Festival at pork, porkfest.com, and it was great this year, and I suspect it's even going to be greater next year. It is uh, probably best described as the burning man for libertarians. Um, so awesome. And then uh, your competence at that uh, allowed you to move up to the president of the Free State Project, and you, for, for which I, I believe you served longer than anybody I can think of, off the top of my head anyway. And I think you were the last president because the Free State Project, under your tutelage, or um, hit its numbers of twenty thousand, which was the goal to move twenty thousand liberty-loving individuals to one state. And now we have uh, some other title that sounds like president, but it's not, like chairman of the enchargedness or something. <laughs>
1: Actually, so I am chairman of the board, of course, you know, so we have uh, we have a board. And then Jeremy Kaufman is an acting executive director. So we moved from a president model to an executive director model. And I actually still serve as the president emeritus because they were like, we got to give her something for all of this. Um, I did serve for about five years and I did trigger the move and and my my my. that I'm most proud of is actually getting Edward Snowden to speak at the event where we, uh, you know, the Liberty Forum that year in 2016. Uh, You know, I I really admire whistleblowers uh, because I think that is, we, we started, we talked about bravery, right? And if we don't know what the truth is, we can't hold people accountable. And this move away from First Amendment, free speech, um, telling people their gag orders, telling people you have to keep secrets because of national security, all of that is a part of this huge thing where they are basically making the truth illegal. And you can't fix things if you don't know what the F is going on. And so Edward Snowden, for me, really represented a lot of that in the sense that, you know, he was a whistleblower. Um, but then I think our favorite dissident, our favorite guy, of course, is Ross Ulbricht. Because I think Ross, uh, you know, who's spending two life sentences in jail um, for building a website, uh, you know, he was the guy who said, the war on drugs is not working. We have to come up with an alternative. I firmly believe that you criticize through creation. Like it's great to run for office and all of that, but we're gonna win through the markets and that's really what Ross represented. And of course, that's why they came after him so hard. So I like finding those people and bringing them to New Hampshire for the events, for Pork Fest, and then our winter event, Liberty Forum as well. I forget where this question started, but that's where we're ending. <laughs>
0: So you said you like bringing them to New Hampshire. Can you make the case for why people interested in freedom should go to New Hampshire and what type of freedom they'll find there?
1: So New Hampshire is, we're calling it the libertarian homeland, right? So what we're trying to do is to create a place where people can come and... The way I pitch it is come and be your best authentic self, right? I think that's if we pursue our lives in a way that is um, aspirational and actually intentional, then you can make real magic happen. New Hampshire was chosen as the destination for the Free State Project because its it has a lot of things that make it easier to expand liberty. Some of those things are it already had very low taxes. It doesn't have a, a state income tax. And actually, this last legislative session, we... We're tapering out interest and dividends taxes, so by 2026, it'll be zero. So that means New Hampshire is truly an income-tax-free state. We have a very large legislature, so of people who are interested in politics, and I'm of the mindset we've got to try everything. I actually don't know what the right path to liberty is personally. Some people say it's politics. Some people say it's smashing the state outside the system. All of us have done civil disobedience over the years. You know, we've all been arrested and in trouble and, you know, persecuted and brutalized by the state. Um, I'm laughing, but I mean it's terrible. So we have a large legislature, which makes makes it very accessible to actually win in politics. So the House in New Hampshire is 400 House representatives and then the Senate is 24. We, over the years, we've had free staters run and we've built alliances with just pro-liberty people and this year, I'd say there's was about 120 people in the Liberty Caucus. Those aren't all free staters, but they're aligned, you know. So, I mean, it's pro-Liberty people. I don't care where you came from. I just care, are you, you know, furthering the principles of liberty? So politics is really accessible. I'm running actually for just... Uh, state uh, house this time. I've run for the Senate in the past. And then culturally, New Hampshire's slogan is live free or die. I mean, it's definitely not hiding the ethos that they have this rebelliousness or this sort of disdain or, or dislike of, of big states. So I think culturally that's good as well. New Hampshire has a little bit of everything for people, I personally think uh, we should become independent. So I like to look at the landscape of New Hampshire as what would this be like if it was a little country? Like this was a little country. Would I want to live in this country? So what I like about it as a little country is it has a little bit of everything. There are mountains, lakes, sea, flatlands, cities, towns, rural, you know, and it's very picturesque. We have four seasons, which I really love. So I believe I'm becoming kind of a naturalist, I guess, the older I become. But like, I actually think the four seasons actually inform uh, a lifestyle that's good. I think that, you know, having a winter when you slow down and sort of do the, maybe it's just the, the farmer stock. I come from a long lineage of farmer y people. So maybe I'm just naturally in that rhythm. So I love the four seasons as well. And then as a little country, you also have to look at things like, Where does energy come from? Who are we going to trade with? So New Hampshire has a deep sea port, which means that if someone like the um, seasteading guys, you know, if they get their cruise ships, I'm like, well, then a port of coal should be Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and we can all trade and work together and make things happen. For those people who want to go to the islands and stuff, I'm like, I like bananas and avocados. I would like to trade with you. I don't know what we're sending back, maybe apples and, you know, something. But, you know... I think we're going to see these things bubble up. But we also in New Hampshire have a nuclear reactor, Seabrook. It has a new name now, but I like to say Seabrook. Seabrook supplies almost 25% of the eastern seaboard's energy. Like we're giving energy all the way to New York. So... A couple of years ago, a license was acquired for a second reactor. I believe it does go out in 2030. So, like, we got a clip-clop here, a tick-tock. I think we need to be building out a second reactor so that New Hampshire can become a place that is actually supplying energy that gives us value. And then, of course, we're a tourist state. And tourism by its very nature, I think, is naturally libertarian because of two or three things. One is it is based in property rights. If you're going to have a good restaurant or a good whatever, you're going to take care of it, right? There's an incentive to make it um, good. It's also customer-based, so like you can't actually be an asshole (laughs) because if you want people to come back, you have to give them good service. So I think there's a natural fit between the tourism that is in New Hampshire and the sense of A good environment, a beautiful place. We have to fix the food scene is not great. That's definitely something I will work on. But I just think it naturally lends itself to becoming this libertarian homeland. A lot of the natives like liberty, and we have thousands and thousands of people who are moving with a first principle of liberty, which means that they uh, are living their lives with their human action as actual people who are furthering liberty it's not just sitting around it's actually being like how can i make the world more free so that'd be my pitch for new hampshire
0: so i was just in new hampshire a week and a couple of weeks ago maybe three weeks ago something like that and i gotta say happy to have hit the restaurants that i love so much i do like the you know i like the food that i like and uh, there it is uh, so much of it um, very happy to have uh, been in, been in Keene, spent a little bit of time there I think my biggest critique for New Hampshire is, is it's in the United States. And there's nothing that, in my opinion, the likelihood of an actual secession occurring, New Hampshire being the first state to secede um, p- prior to the United States' uh, empire crumbling around their ears, is unlikely. And that if it did occur, that... Uh, the the consequences would be catastrophic for New Hampshire. The uh, The swift numbers would be pulled and uh, banking would be impossible. New Hampshire's very small, so many people work in Vermont or Massachusetts or Maine. Um, you know, those people would have a very difficult time traveling to work. A uh, whole variety of things that I, I just, I can't come up with a picture of what life might look like if New Hampshire was independent of the United States. I mean, and when I say that, I mean um, having claim their own independence and move forward as opposed to uh, I think all the states will be independent in some way. They'll have to create new federations and things like that because this one's bankrupt. But, you know, that's uh, here and there. Also, you know, just last year, uh, the Federal Bureau of Investigations, along with the U.S. Marshal, the uh, U.S. Postal Service, um, you know, the Keene Police Department, the Stadies and all that stuff raided my studio. You know, the cops there were happy to come after free staters. Now, I mean, I'll admit... Keene, New Hampshire, has a bit more of a reputation than uh, other portions of the state. And this hasn't happened in other places. But none of them are nationally syndicated radio programs either. So we have a high profile. The charges, the best I can see, are... Completely, like there's no crime that was committed, and thus, uh, you know, I, I'm hoping that my good friend Ian Freeman will um, not be arrested or not be uh, go to prison. But there's nothing that the Free State Project could do about that. I'm not saying, "Well, where were you guys and what were you doing?" I'm not saying that. I I have tried, you know, my very best to imagine how would we have handled this, and there, the answer is you can't. Every one of those uh, cops at Keene, New Hampshire, aspires; they have little dreams about wearing the black suit of an FBI agent and going in and scribbling with a little pencil in people's homes just before they ruin their lives. I mean, this is what they imagine.
1: Uh, Yes. Actually, someone yesterday here at the conference said something really great. They talk about how the state first ignores you, then they demonize you, and then they brutalize you. And I really, in my mind, I was thinking about the crypto six and the raids and the stuff, right? Because in that case, they are at the brutalized stage. Now, I personally have been ignored and I'm more on the demonized stage, I guess, of it. You know, the name calling that you're a racist, you're a white supremacist, that kind of
0: stuff. You also beat their pants off in court. pointing out.
1: I did. So maybe they're a little more, you know, careful because when you do win against them, it does... You know, they do take a step back. Like, we poke the bear, we poke the bear, and then when they come at us, sometimes when they swing back, we lose most of the time because they're powerful and pain in the ass and have unlimited resources. And sometimes we get lucky and we win. And honestly, I don't think I would have won my case 10 years later. You know, I'm looking at what they're doing to Project Veritas and the raids on journalists. And of course, that's really important because here's the reality. None of those people... I was called a domestic terrorist in 2013. I'm so ahead of the curve. I'm like 10 years before all these people who are now like, oh, my God, do you know they have secret warrants? Oh, my God, do you know they're calling people domestic terrorists? Oh, my God, do you know they're raiding? I'm like, hey, journalists, I'm really glad that now that they're coming for you, you're willing to speak up because they have the biggest bullhorns and the biggest uh, you know, ways to get the message out. So, it's, I mean, it's terrible because we don't want to live in a regime that is literally of arresting reporters. But on the other hand, it's reporters and it's happening to enough people, so people are speaking out. With regard to what we can do, I think nullification doesn't get as much attention or uh, notice as it should. So what does that mean? In a nutshell, it's basically saying that states can start to write laws that just say, hey, we're not going to listen to the federal government. The best example that we all know and understand is what happened with cannabis. We started with medical marijuana, and now you have recreational marijuana. That was states just basically saying, F you, the feds, we're not going to do it anymore. We're going to go our separate way. So that was a very strong, Strong example of uh, federalism. Now, what's interesting to me is I'm starting to see other people with branding pop up where they're talking about the free state of fill in the blank. The one I often see is Dave Rubin's free state of Florida, and then I get really bad and then I calm down, right? Because there are different flavors and there are different things, right? But what's going to happen and what is happening is federalism is coming back. So the Supreme Court with the decision of something like Roe versus Wade is not making abortion illegal. What it is saying is the federal government never had the right to regulate this. What it needs to be decided on is on the state level. Why do we have states and why do we have state level stuff? Because we're American and we believe in competition and the way you compete is you allow people the freedom to be like I'm going to try this. Well I'm going to try this. Well that thing sucked and this thing was successful. Maybe all of us Should do the successful thing. And that's how the states were supposed to work, so that we would actually start to innovate to the best solutions. The government literally goes, What's the shittiest thing we could do? And let's innovate to the lowest common denominator. And that's what they're doing. And that is what socialism is, because socialism says, We're not going to allow you to compete. We're not going to have a better idea. We're going to say you're all the same. And if you're all the same, you have to be less than. You can't be exceptional.
0: So, um, right, I just wanna address Florida and I think it's uh, worth doing. I moved from Florida to New Hampshire and then I have stayed in Florida some amount of time since my residency is in the U.S. Marianas and I can't really return because of the state of emergency. So I have some opinions on the topic. A, I think that Florida can make a claim to being as as free or nearly as free or whatever as New Hampshire is currently. But this is a, if, if it's a race and a competition, and I wouldn't call it that, um, then we're in the midst of it. We're not at the end of it. And nobody's won this race currently. Well, the distinction that I would say with New Hampshire is is. A, they're, they're, it's neck and neck. They're number one right now, and uh, Florida you know, is a good place to live. So is New Hampshire, uh, if you can handle the cold. But New Hampshire is, uh, you can have an effect on the government there. You can move and get elected almost immediately. I recommend joining your local fire department or getting involved in the community in some way. Um, whereas in Florida, you know, join your fire department if they let you in. Because I did. I walked up to my local fire department. I'm like, I'm here. I'm experienced. Do you guys need me? And it's like, they wouldn't let me wash a truck. Wow. Uh, nothing. I mean, nothing. They wanted nothing from me. So uh, there's, no, there's no opportunity in Florida to be a state representative or anything like that. You know, I, I just wanted to bring that up. Have you ever thought about if the Free State Project were to pick a state again, would it pick the same state? Have you thought about any other contenders that could work, perhaps even some U.S. territories?
1: I didn't actually vote, so I got involved the, like three months after the vote was when I kind of found out about it. So originally there were 10 states on the list and they were all like the usual suspects, it's you know low tax states, low population states, more rural, probably trending more red or conservative uh, for a start. I honestly was not super keen on New Hampshire initially. I'm, a, you know, I'm you know from South Africa, but I lived in San Francisco in the Bay Area. I lived in New York City. I like the arts. I like good, you know, like I, I'm pretty cosmopolitan. Although now I'm just like a chicken farmer, but I think we picked the right place, and um, and so I, I would not change it. But again, my core value and my core principle is I want liberty to spread everywhere. I think it is how we get the flourishing of the human condition, and so I'm not going to begrudge anyone anywhere who is trying to further liberty. I my choice was New Hampshire. I think it has a value proposition because of the energy stuff. I also think because Maine is north of us, you know, maybe there's a way to expand it. But to go to uh, Mark's point about the sort of the federation and all of that, I think we are seeing more of those, um, the states and stuff. And I disagree, even if New Hampshire wasn't in Independent country, I think we could have something similar to what you see in the EU with the Shenzhen uh, visas, right, so they created a trade zone and so people can travel between those. For retirees, people retire in Mexico, but they still get their social security payments, right? So even though if it was a separate country... We could work out all the kinks and the problems. The problem is, of course, that the, if, you're, if you're negotiating with someone who is not acting in good faith and doesn't want you to do the thing that you're trying to do, they will punish you and they will make it hard. But there's no reason why it should be hard. You know, I, I believe that, you know, if you set your mind to something, you can figure something out. You use your words and you negotiate something. So I do think we could create a free trade zone. We could have a loose federation. It could be between, like, Quebec... Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, you know, as if Massachusetts was still getting their income tax for workers there. So I think we could figure all of that part out. You know, my heart's committed to New Hampshire. I've lived all over the world. I actually looked at a lot of different options before we settled on the free state. So we looked at um, uh, Uruguay, I think, you know, uh, Buenos Aires, um, going back to South Africa, possibly. Europe's kind of expensive unless we all buy like some old Spanish town that they're giving away for free or something. We looked at some of the islands. I've been to Honduras several times. I kind of looked at some of that. I long term will be in New Hampshire. I think that's my genuine goal is I'm like, I want to be president in New Hampshire. How do I make this happen? So that's what I'm working towards. I may fail I may succeed. We'll see, right? Is it a 10-year plan? Is it a 20-year plan? But that being said, I want friends in warm places again. So, uh, you know, there's a place to go in the winter. Winters do get long. I love almost every moment of it except for two weeks. And then I'm like, nope, I need some vitamin D. I need to go somewhere. So I want to be able to go to some island with some... People I know who are also working to further liberty. So I think New Hampshire is the right decision. I think we are going to see more free states and and sort of air quotes pop up across New uh, uh, across the country. I mean, we are seeing that, right? There's the Greater Idaho movement. There's Cal Exit. That's uh, California Independence. There's Texit. So there is a sort of movement towards a national divorce. I think we're probably not going to get there in terms of actually having independent countries, but I think we are going to go back to federalism in the way that it was imagined as the original Republic of America. And if that's the case and we get to do what we want to do in New Hampshire, I'll settle for that. I'll I'll be like, okay, that makes sense. But I think for for me, New Hampshire is where I want to be. I love everything about it. I think the people are great. The nature's great. I love the environment. I like forest bathing every day. I didn't know that I had to walk in a forest every day for like an hour and that just like resets my brain. So it's good for me. It's maybe not for everyone, but I encourage people come check it out, visit anytime. I mean, literally the fall in New Hampshire is like the trees turn to candy and it's amazing.
0: If you do forest bathing, um, you have to do it completely naked. I'm sorry. Um, So a couple of things I want to say, and I I do have to wrap up. A, uh, I I am not against talking about independence for New Hampshire, because I think that that moves us along the line to nullification and federalism. I am for those things. And I do think that you can achieve much of what one really wants to achieve through uh, nullification I'm, I'm for that, and I usually make that distinction. Hadn't done that quite yet. Secondly, I, I always give this caveat. Uh, is, is I think that in the future, uh, the Free State Project, you'll find a success, and that there'll be, you know, the things that I believe will increase are longevity, prosperity, happiness, and um, that everybody in Vermont, Massachusetts, and Maine will want um, longevity, prosperity, and happiness, too. And they're going to move up to get it, and they'll vote the way that they always voted, and that their kids will not be as interested in liberty as we are, because they didn't Face the tyranny that we did, um, and there won't be enough of them unless the uh, politicians of New Hampshire pass a constitutional amendment to their own constitution. This can be done where 66% of legislators are necessary to pass a law and 50% are necessary to repeal one. Then you will see perhaps the legislative body become a law repealing organization in which case I think New Hampshire truly could see the things that um, I wanted to achieve. Now I don't hear a lot of talk about that currently. Then again we don't have the power to do it. What New Hampshire does have, I use the term we, then again, they don't have the power to do it. <laughs> what New Hampshire does have, and this is worth talking about, you mentioned the 120 legislators, this is four years years, uh, terms and terms, we've had a liberty veto. And I don't mean a, like a veto like the governor vetoes. I mean that it has to go through this phalanx of hard-line libertarians running as Democrats and Republicans, mostly Republicans, um, and that they hold the line and they say that law is not going to pass. So there needs to be, it needs they're effectively doing what I said, meaning that they need, you need 66% in order to get through because they care so much. Carla, tell people how to find out more about the Free State Project All
1: right, so Free State Project, you can go to fsp.org. Our two events are Porkfest, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T, like porcupinefest.com, Porkfest, and then Liberty Forum, which will be this winter coming up in 2023 Um, you can find out more about me carlagarrick.com that's g-e-r-i-c-k-e and it's carla with a c i blog almost every day i have three shows i like to talk about what's happening in new hampshire and trying to educate people on why liberty is the way to go because freedom is awesome and slavery sucks